from Her Majesty the Hung. I'm a post-binary, pansexual, polyamorous, pot-smoking parent and professional drag queen. I've had the honor of performing all across America, from San Francisco to New York City, but Austin is the city that I currently call home. It is my passion, some may refer to it as a tedious obsession, to establish and maintain safe spaces for queer black people to thrive, to be celebrated, okay? And um, also for queer black people to be celebrated, elevated, and equitably compensated in these spaces. My first attempt to create such a space actually failed um, due to the venue owners deciding to close the bar uh, after suffering some losses in the um, 2020 COVID shutdown. But fortunately, my second attempt is going quite well, um, despite some challenges and very calculated efforts to disband us. But we are black, we are queer, we are drag queens, and we are relentlessly persistent. I'm very proud of the community that we are building together, and I'm very excited to share just a little bit about it all with you today. I'm the creator and host of a weekly drag show called Vanguard, The Drag Revolution. Anybody ever been? Y'all been yet? I live, absolutely. Cool. Um, so Vanguard is not just a drag show. What is it? What is it? What is it? We gonna try that again, y'all. <laughs> Vanguard is not just a drag show. What is it? Vanguard is a declaration and celebration of queer freedom, queer love, queer existence, and queer solidarity. We provide an intentional space for radical self-expression, queer fellowship, and innovative performance art. On our stage, we proudly proclaim that Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. No human is illegal. All bodies are beautiful. Especially mine. And my body, my choice. I've learned that it's very important to say these things before every single show, every function, every time I get up on a stage, because I've realized that once I mention these things, the trash usually takes itself out. <laughs> or they open up they stank mouth so we can all smell they shit and escort them out our goddamn selves. Okay? So what we're gonna do today, I've invited some cast members from Vanguard to tell you a little bit about our lives, our challenges, how we overcome those challenges, some of our aspirations as well. So please welcome me, or join me in welcoming 
It's early, y'all. I've never been in drag this early. <laughs> y'all need to show, I woke up at four o'clock in the morning. Show me some love. <laughs> and the shit y'all got in the green room ain't strong enough. <laughs> y'all ain't got what I need. But <laughs> please welcome my absolute favorite drag performer in the entire world, the illusion that causes confusion, Shania Ellis Narcisse. Yeah, ma'am. Also, please welcome up the legs of Texas, Amber Nicole Davenport. And finally, they are new to drag, but she's already got a title under her belt. I'm gonna try to remember it. Okay, well, let's do it together. Okay. Uh, Miss, yes. that's the first part. Miss Southern States, yes. US of A diva. Yes, you got it. Amy Graves. All right, I'm gonna look at these notices. We gonna get right on into it. So, first of all, I would like you all just to introduce yourselves, tell them who you are, what your pronouns are in and out of drag, um, how long you've been doing drag, what drag means to you, or what, um, what position, role, what role drag plays in your life. Yeah, let's get into it. Hi everyone, my name is Shania Ellis Narcisse. I'm from New Orleans, Louisiana, the city of sin where the women are women and so are the men. <laughs> um, I um, kind of proclaimed my own title, um, The Illusion That Causes Confusion, very early in my career. It's stuck, it works, I do exactly that. I cause a lot of confusion, yeah. In the greatest way possible. You know, you go home, you're dreaming about me, you wanna do drag all of a sudden, that's what it's supposed to do. Um, my pronouns are yeah, I guess. <laughs> really doesn't matter. I've never been caught up in that sort of stuff. It doesn't matter. It's not what other people call me. It's what you answer to. So um, I've never really been worried about that. I started doing drag in 1995. I was 17 years old. I'm 45 years young now. So I've been doing drag for almost 30 years. Almost 30 years of dressing up in women's clothing, right? Yeah, I want that. Uh, what, right? It's the uh -huh. shoes, bitch. Okay. If we could change anything, it would change the shoes. Okay. <laughs> we should all find the man that created high heels and strangle him together. Okay, um, drag to me. My drag, um, even though from your side you would think I did it all for you, I've got to be honest, my drag is very selfish. It's normally the last seven, the only seven minutes out of the day on show day that I get to myself. Everything else is planning to get up there. So on the stage, I'm really, I'm really up there for me. I'm doing the song that I want to do. I'm going to build it. You will come. And that's how it works, really. So I go on this journey. It's like I'm singing in the shower, and you all get to come along with me, right? So that's how drag, that's what drag means to me. The place in my life, um, it's taken on different places. At first it was a hobby, then it became work. That means it was no longer fun, right? So when drag became an obligation, it was definitely the lowest, at the lowest place of my life, and I was very unha unhappy doing it because I had to. I didn't want to do it. Um, I have definitely severed that, that type of ties after this many years of having a career. I feel like I don't have to do anything that I don't want to do. Now you're gonna come and see me when my name's on the marquee, right? 
So I just show up at Shania every time. So for me, drag is just a very safe space. It's like I'm in the bathroom, because that's the only place they're not supposed to have cameras, right? Yeah. So it's a very safe space for me. You all get to be in the bathroom with me. That's how it works. Yes. I'm next. Hi, everyone. I'm Amber Nicole Davenport. I've born and raised in Austin. I've been here all my life, so I'm an original. Y'all make some noise for the original. Um, I started drag in 2015. Y'all do the math, how long that was. As soon as I was able to get into a club, I got into the club and I put some makeup on. Uh, drag to me is like my TV show, my fashion show. It's the time where I'm able to live my celebrity fantasy that I'm not able to live every day. So it's my outlet to go out and be somebody I'm not yeah. every day, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. What was the rest of the thing? I'm missing something. <laughs> you, you pretty much got it. Uh, you do drag full-time, part-time? I do drag, I say part-time because it's not full-time. I work two days out of the week, so we say I do drag part-time. Then I do hair full-time. Okay. So yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Amy Graves. Um, I've been doing drag for 19 months. But um, before I transferred, well, not transferred over, but blended, um, I was a professional pole dancer. I still am, but now I am a pole sensei. I have my own pole studio in Dallas. That's where I'm from, Dallas. And um, I've been polling for a really long time. And yeah, I don't even want to tell you, it's just a really long time. But I traveled the world, I toured, I competed a lot. Um, and uh, like Her Majesty said, I just won a pageant um, in Southern States and we have nationals in May in Dallas. So if I win nationals, then I'm the queen of all the bitches. Yeah. <laughs> um, with my drag, what I kind of aspire to do is just um, higher caliber shows because I do like really big numbers and productions, like I do use apparatuses and I always tell stories. It always tells the story of a, the song, like regardless of what it is, I always try to portray it in my perspective. And, but during brunch though, you know, they like titties and skipping, so I gotta do titties and skipping. But if like at Vanguard, I'm able to really think and construct and, you know, I guess show what I'm really good at. I love to make things up, I love to present them. And I've always been a spooky queen, but you know, as a black woman growing up, like you have to look a certain way, present and be this and that. But I found in drag that I can actually be my true self with this kind of dark, spooky thing. I don't know, but she's hot and she skips in titties. <laughs> um, I, I think that's it, right? What does drag mean to me? Drag means everything fucking big, bigger, big fucking every fucking thing. <laughs> Like, if you think it's big enough, it's not. Like, do it fucking bigger, what I've learned. Because I've always been kind of corporate with it. And then Her Majesty's like, bigger, bigger. So I just, you know, just, if you do drag and you live in your fantasy, just make sure you do it really fucking big. All right. Period. Now we got all the, uh, all the introductions and cute shit out of the way. Are we really ready to get into the gig, bitch? Let's do it, Let's coach. get into the motherfucking gig. So this question, it's a, a multi-faceted question. So pay attention, y'all. We're going to do the same, the same order, okay? Ooh. After promising to reform policies, behaviors, and perceptions in 2020... 
have white allies, bar owners, show producers, and show directors actually changed their ways? Are queer nightlife spaces as diverse and inclusive as they should be? What promises have been kept? What promises have already been broken? Hmm. <laughs> I just recently moved to Houston so I can speak very candid because I'm not afraid of the bitches not booking me anymore. Mm. Um, I think bar owner, of, of, overall, I can maybe say that a lot of the bar owners are still kind of committed to more help as far as the POC community is, um, is, in, is considered. However, I do think a lot of the show directors that they have in place um, have taken off their rose-colored glasses and are back to living in their black and white lives. Um, because diversity on a show... Okay, I'm just putting it out there. There's no such thing as a drag show without a black queen on it. Yeah. It's physically impossible, right? Black trans women and drag queens started the march at Stonewall. They started that. Remember, Stonewall was not a parade. It was a march. Okay, let's, let's let that be known. Riot. And it was a riot. And us black bitches started it and got it going. So to have a drag show without a black queen is like having something for us without us. And it's impossible for it to be done. So when shows can call themselves the best drag show ever and there's no black queen on it, it's impossible for it to be the best drag show ever because a black girl by herself could be the best drag show ever. She wouldn't need any help from any other color, any other, any, I won't say race because race is made up. She won't need help from any other color person for her to stand up there by herself, maybe wrapped up in this carpet, and it'd be the best drag show ever. So I do think that a lot of the show directors are the problem. However, the club owners have control of their show directors. So it is still a back and forth game, and they play the game with you. Oh, the owner said no, and you go to the owner, and the owner says, oh no, Ritzy said no. Oh, I said that. Oh, you said her whole name, baby. Oh no, Ritzy yeah, said no, there, and then man. you're like, oh, well, which one, well, if, well, who said no? If two no's make a yes, right? So that means I should be on the show. So these type of things happen. Um, what do I think, um, do I think the, safe, the spaces are safe? for black and queer communities. Um, they never were, they aren't now, but the difference is now that they're not safe for anyone. No one of any nationality or color is safe in a gay space anymore. So to make it be safe for us is gonna be harder work, and let's just face it, they're not gonna work harder to make us feel safe. They never have, they never will. So, and that's just the sense of it. So, um, as a black person, my safety has been my number one concern since before I was even born, and it probably will be that until after the day that I die. So I've always take, made myself make sure that I'm safe. I know where the exits are. I know where the glass bottles are. I know where to mace and get everyone out of the goddamn club, right? So I've always um, made sure that I was safe. I won't ever say that the space is I don't think any space is safe now um, for anyone, and that just makes it twice as not safe for someone of color. Yeah. I agree. Y'all make some noise for Miss Shania. I agree with everything Shania said. Um, I wouldn't even say the bar owners made promises to us back then during the pandemic. I remember going from being booked every other day of the week to not having anything. Um, as soon as the pandemic hit, I did this live video where I kind of like went off on bar owners because nobody was reaching out to me and a few other black individuals on how they could help us.
but I was hearing from the white girl that, oh, such and such just sent me $500. Such and such just sent me $1,000. As soon as I did that live, people were messaging me, oh, Amber, why did you go live? Why would you bash us like that? I'll send you something to keep you quiet. No, that's not gonna keep me quiet. Mm. Once they did that, I feel like when we got back, when the pandemic was over, we went back to shows. I had meetings with some bar owners. They were telling me like, oh, it's gonna change. And whatever issue we had during the pandemic, it's gonna be different now. You're gonna have a space. Every other black individual is gonna have a space. They gave us a space for a moment. Now we don't have a space. They put people in charge, just like Shania said, that don't really care about black entertainment. They put people in charge that only want you, let's say, go back to black entertainment. Black entertainment to me is grand. You see beautiful black individuals on this stage. We look like money. We don't just go out there looking like shit. It's people in Austin that go out on stage looking like shit and they also kiss ass. They probably smell like shit too. That's the only reason they're on the show. You have people sitting up here that speak up. They don't want a black girl on the show because a black girl is not going to sit there and let somebody tell them what to do. I've had too many people try to steer my drag into being a dancing girl. Just put on a little bathing suit, whatever. They don't want me to be on their show to upstage them. If you go see a black girl perform, a black girl will wear any hoe out on that show that is not black. They won't give us our space. I, I don't even want to talk about it. They, they just don't give us what we deserve, if that makes any sense. Before I get emotional, Amy, you take it over. Yeah, that was really good, Coach. That was really good. And can I add something to what Amber said real quick? I've said this several times, and I would say it as many times as I need to, you could put any black drag queen on a stage in a potato sack and have her perform the hokey pokey, and she will outperform every single white performer in that lineup. It's the truth. Well, because I'm so fresh, I mean, I I really don't know how things went pre-COVID. I only know after COVID, but during COVID though, I watched a lot of drags online and stuff. And um, I got to see a lot of black queens that I've never you know, seen their type of art. I've always seen white queens. But coming, coming into drag, I do notice the, a lot of the shows that I do get hired, I'm usually the only one. And I, I try not to think of it like that. I just try to think, you know, I'm, well, I, I'm, I'm just gonna say it. I'm the best one. You know, I'm the best one, and they need, they always need the black person to be high in the standards and, you know, be on top, look a certain way, and the other girls on the lineup are, like, looking like, you know, chopped liver, and it's just like, you know, they're still, they're getting the same amount of coin or more versus what I'm doing, like, I'm busting back and doing all this, so... I've always asked, like, why don't we have, you know, like, more black people on the show? And they're just like, oh, well, we don't know a lot of black queens. I'm like, you absolutely do, because when I go on your Instagrams, I see, like, a bunch of black queens, you know, commenting on your post and hire me and stuff, and it's just in one ear and out the other. But I know a lot of show directors feel like, okay, well, if I got one good one, then I'm not really required to, you know, to have any, to have any more. And so, like what I was just telling Her Majesty, you know, a lot of these club owners are promising things and promising things, and it's just like, when is that 
enough. And it's just going to be up to us once again to create a space to where we can hire black people. And yeah, we're going to fucking say, yeah, black people only. Yeah, we might have, you know, one or two, you know, the cool ones come through. But we really want to, like, support black art because the white queens are just not saying anything. They're just throwing it in our face. So why, why aren't we able to do the same thing? But when it comes to fear, it's like every time that black people do come up with a space and it's thriving somebody's always gonna come and try to fuck up our shit. It's been that way since colonization. And it's just like, you know, when, when does that stop? And I honestly don't have an answer for it, but the only thing I can say is, as long as we stick together and support each other and book, like, we can't be stopped. You know, it's just gonna thrive more and more. And so, like, you know, just working together, putting our coins together to make a space for us and like now since you know we can carry glocks and shit now in texas like let's surround the fucking fortress you know i got my shit yeah i'm like i'm really good at security just saying but you know it's you we we just do our best to try to mix and you know say our pains and what we feel and try to like get things going but literally it's just in one ear and out the other and just my perspective i'm just like fuck it let's do it let's do it ourselves and let's make it bombay and just show hoes you know yeah. Period. Yeah, in the in the thick of the bullshit in 2020, I actually got a meeting with one of the bar owners here in Austin that was being called out for being racist and uh, exclusionary. And uh, he took me out for tacos one day. <laughs> and we got into a teary-eyed, just loud screaming at each other at this motherfucking taco place. And he said, well, why are you messing with me? The other bar owners are doing this, this, and this. I said, I'm talking to you. You go fuck with them, but I'm going to start with you. Yeah. So they know what the fuck is going on. They know, and they're going to do better. Or not. We're doing what we do regardless. And I think it's also important to make sure you know that when we do want to speak up and say something, we as black people have to choose our words very wisely. We cannot express our, first of all, let me, an angry black woman. A black woman has every fucking reason to be angry. Okay. Every fucking reason to be angry. Across time, she has every reason to be fucking angry. So why can't she be angry? Why can't she express that? But if you raise your voice a little bit over two decibels, Mm. then you're the angry black woman. They stop listening to what you have to say and they listen to how you're saying it. Everything else, the context of it is all out of the window. And that is just bullshit, right? That's total bullshit. It happens for women everywhere though. A woman speaks her mind, she's a bitch. You know what I'm saying? A man speaks his mind, he's a boss. Well, guess what? Bitches are bosses too. Okay, yes. Oh. Shania is like one of my favorite people ever. Everything good in my life is because of Shania. But I have to ask Shania, since you've been doing drag the longest, can you tell us how drag has changed since you have been a drag performer? Um, drag has, has definitely opened up um, to many different facets and genres within drag. Um, that was not really um, as prevalent when I first started doing drag right after the dinosaurs left. So, um, so I did have to open up my mind to the different arenas of drag. I came from, 
um, a very opulent era of drag where, like Amy said, if you thought you had on all of your jewelry, you didn't. You should have put on a little bit more, right? Your hair needed to be huge, and your jewelry needed to be huge, and your train needed to be, oh, wow, those five people are all stepping on my train. Could you get my train from under them? Sort of kind of thing. So when I came into a new, um, when, era, when drag started to evolve and branch out into different areas, I definitely had to keep my mind open to those areas being accepted. Um, however, we do know um, how the world looks at things that are new and fresh, um, like in, out with the old, you know, um, what is it? Out with the old, in with the new, you know, sort of kind of thing, which is great, but um, all art, for, art forms have traditions, and as a real artist, you're supposed to expand upon those traditions, trying to change them, trying to change the tradition of art I believe completely and totally, um, I think is a bit disrespectful because it makes you forget where it came from, right? And without remembering the road you walked down, if you have to turn around and go back, you won't know how to get back there, right? So you've got to always remember um, how it started. Um, I vowed that I would not become a dinosaur when it came to drag and that I would keep myself up with the times. Um, I don't do as new of music as possible, but that's because if I did, you guys would not get the Shania that you're used to getting. That music does not evoke Shania. It does not make her show up. I need music that means something that tells a story that does not sound like the same music is playing and someone else is now singing on top of it. So if music does not make me feel like I, like the first time I heard it every time, then you won't get it from me. So um, drag has definitely changed in a whole bunch of different ways. You know, we have the RuPaul Drag Race craze going on right now, where it's okay to not wear breasts. And I guess that's fine, you know. But I think at the base of it, we do still have to remember that we are, we're not just dressing up like women, we're paying homage to women. And women do come in all different shapes and sizes. Lots of supermodels have no breasts. But if you're not going to be on the runway for Carl Lagerfeld, you don't have breasts in your real life, bitch. Give yourself a little titties in your dress, right? Live the fantasy. And clothes are made for breasts, so they fit a lot better when you have breasts on. Those little bitty things um, I'm kind of still getting used to. Um, however, I'm okay with someone expressing their art the way they want and me expressing the art the way I want. I just think it's important to not yuck somebody's yum, right? If that's how they want to do it, then commit to it, make it a thing, make it great. And who am I to say that drag has gotten better or worse? My drag has gotten better. Hey, 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 hey. I miss Amy Graves. So you're still kind of new to drag, yes. but you are a very accomplished performance artist. You own a pole studio. You've won multiple awards all over the country. So what was it about drag that made you say, hey, I want to do that? After being so successful in what you've already, what um, you've been doing for years. I've always wanted to be a drag queen since I was a kid, like always. And um, my mom is very corporate. So she, no, girl, you're not doing that. So like this right here, she wasn't even feeling it. Like she just wants, like Amber, like if I look like Amber, she'd be like, baby, yes, you drag all day. But like my spooky, like she's not kind of like with that. But um, I was actually at a show, my drag mother show, and I was actually supposed to do pole dancing. But when I went to put up my pole, it didn't fit. So I'm like freaking out and I went to my car and I'm like crying, like, oh my God, what am I gonna do? And then May's like, just go out there and just, you know, do whatever. And I'm just like, oh my God, it's not planned. This is gonna be terrible. So I just went out there anyways and I did it and something came alive. And then after that, 
I, she just started hiring me, like, because we had a show like once a month. And I just started doing that. And I just, I just literally kind of fell into it. And then one of my friends came and she was like, yeah, you did good. You just need to step your pussy up. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna step my shit up. And so literally it was like overnight, I went on Instagrams and you know looked at some spooky queens and started painting Coco. Coco uh, Kane was one of the first in her, met well, you weren't there yet, but Coco Kane was one of the first drag queens I started following because she was like, so my shit. So. It was actually kind of easy for me to transfer over because I was already kind of doing drag in pole dancing land, which they didn't allow either. Because lip singing and pole dancing, because you know some bitches be like looking around, la, 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 saying the words versus actually like saying the message. So I was already doing that in pole dancing land. I didn't give a fuck. I did it anyways, but it, it was frowned upon for a long time. And so when I transferred over, I kind of was like, fuck pole dancing land. I'm just do it over here and like less work and you know. So the transfer was really easy, but drag really opened up the gate for me. Like I could do anything, I could use everything. And I've learned so much from you guys in like literally, it'll be a year in June that I've known you guys. And because of these people, like they have fucking, like, I don't know, like I just feel unstoppable now. Like I, I, can, I can just smell success on all, I can smell it. Like the way the universe has lined us up, like I'm big into like triple numbers, you know, shit like that. Like, and I see them all the time, like triple numbers all the time on the clock. And just after that, the universe was like, okay, you want more bitch? Here. <laughs> and it's just been like more and more and more. And I'm just like, yeah. I mean, I've never done crack before, but I heard, <laughs> I heard it's, you know, pretty some strong shit. And so like drag, you know, it's just, I've always had it, but I'm like, yeah, let's, let's load up the lines. Let's just, all the way. <laughs> yeah, did I answer the question? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> Amber Nicole Davenport. So, we've spent some time talking about... Um, safe spaces for black people, making sure that every space is safe for black people. But aside from that, let's say we all feel safe, everything's Gucci. Is Austin a place for queer black people to thrive? Can we thrive here? Absolutely not. Mm. Tell us more. <sighs> I've been here all my life. <laughs> I have... To me, I've had so many goals in Austin. I've had so many opportunities that I've taken in Austin, and they never finished how they were supposed to finish. Mm -hmm. If I lived anywhere else, these opportunities would have taken off. I would have, whew, no telling where I would have been if I lived somewhere outside of Austin. I've been doing drag again since 2015. I've been on multiple shows. I've had jobs as a black gay man, when I was a man, I'm a girl now. Yes, so, a lady. <laughs> when I was a black gay man, it was kind of hard for me even to like work. Like I used to do makeup. I used to work for Lancome. We used to have white ladies coming in looking for their skincare. They didn't want me to help them because I was black yeah. gay male. It, not even there, it was everywhere. I've worked there, I worked at shoe stores. I used to work for Bare Minerals, that's a white brand. I used, it was times where we had women come in there 
not wanting to be helped. I stopped working because I was like, I'm tired of being in these places where I see people pass me up getting management positions. But me, the black gay boy, still in the same spot that I was two, three years ago. I worked for a company for four years that I did not get no raise. I didn't get no promotions. I was just there to be there. Also, I was young as hell. I'm still young as hell. So, you know, when you're young, you just feel like, oh, it'll happen later on. I'm old. I'm not even old. I'm 26. I feel like something should have already happened. I shouldn't still be. Gary, you better not say 26 old again. <laughs> doing, not even doing what I'm doing. Like, I love drag, but I shouldn't still. Drag should not be the only thing that excites me. I should yeah. be excited outside of drag as well. This is the only time that I feel excitement is when I'm in drag. I don't feel excited when I wake up in the morning. If it's just a regular day, I'm excited when I know I have a show because that's something that I have been able to excel in. I haven't been able to excel in anything else here other than drag. That's why I'm trying to convince my boyfriend to move so that I go have a real life and also dress up in the glamour at nighttime. Yes, yes girl. So, yeah. Thank you, boo. You're welcome. So, Amber's story is not the only heartbreaking story that I've heard from queer black people here in Austin. I can ask almost any queer black person their experience, and it's, it's, it's a fucked up story. Everybody's got some pretty horrible experiences, it, especially um, being on the queer scene at the gay clubs. Of, I've known a performer who was actually spat on at one of the establishments. And so I had to do something about it. And so we created this space, Vanguard the Drag Revolution, and it's been so healing for all of us. Um, it's a space where queer black people can come in and be celebrated and lifted up to face a world that does not give us that. You know, we can step out of vanguard being confident, being completely aware of who we are and confident in our existence. And we convene every week, every Tuesday. After the show, we get lit if you stay around, baby. <laughs> Tuesday turns into Wednesday, into Thursday, baby. We just be doing the motherfucking most. But I want to give each of you an opportunity to speak about how Vanguard has affected you personally and how you think that Vanguard has affected the community. Um, I have been, again, have been doing drag for quite some years, some decades, actually. And um, I performed a lot of different places all around the United States. Um, long before there was the internet and you could hit up a girl and say, book me, I was getting booked all over the United States. So, um, so I have a little bit of experience. I guess you could say I'm the veteran on the stage. Um, and in all of those years, although I'm nervous every time, which they say is good when you're a performer, right? Because it means you want to do your best. I'm never nervous like I'm nervous for Vanguard, ever. My inner self is always striving to be so perfect on that night, but not perfect so that, because you know, in a regular world, the black girl has got to be perfect to be remembered half of the way the white girl will be remembered. You know, she has to work twice as hard to get half as much, you know, so your level of expertise there and your level of excellence there 
is, a, is it's almost the same level, but it's for a different purpose. At Vanguard, my level of expertise first is because Her Majesty is going to get on the mic and say that I'm her favorite drag queen in the whole wide fucking world, and there's a whole club full of people, and she's their favorite drag queen in the whole wide fucking world. So that's a lot of pressure, right? So the first time is that I already know the intro that's coming, and I'm like, this bitch. <laughs> the second reason is because I just can't let myself down on that night. I've, every, every Tuesday, I feel like I owe it to myself for my drag to be as best as it could possibly be. So much to the point to where when I'm finished, my mind immediately thinks, what in the hell am I gonna do next week? I'm exhausted, like drained. I would get finished with Vanguard and literally be drained. I would have put everything on the stage. People would be like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm like, bitch, my body's here with you, but my mind is on the other side of town, kind of sort of thing. So um, Vanguard for me is definitely, um, whew. I don't know, it means, I, I didn't even really know what it meant until I got asked to do Her Majesty's Big Black Drag Show. Yeah. So Juneteenth last year, Her Majesty had a show called Her Majesty's Big Black Drag Show. And it wasn't until I got there and I looked at the lineup and I looked at what she had done for us, yes. for me, for all of the people that are out there wanting to be us, thinking that they can't. It became so much larger than life when I got there. I, I don't really think there are any words that I could put in the right order to make you know what it means to me, but I do know that I'm changed as a person, yeah. my spirit, my emotion, my dealings, my level of capacity, like it has changed so many different facets of my life. It makes me think, like I see the name everywhere, like I'm traveling, it's on the back of trucks, it's on billboards, and I'm like, look bitch, we're Vanguard, right? It's everywhere. And, the, the, and these are the same trucks that I used to follow behind before, the same billboards that I used to follow behind before, but now I'm a part of that drag revolution. So it's so personal for me. It means so, 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 so much. And it's obvious what it means to community, because even, to the community, because even in the face of, ad, of adversity, when so many people are trying to tear us down, they show up every goddamn week. Yeah. They show up because I can easily say, without the Austin Chronicle backing me up, I don't need their opinion, Dra Vanguard is easily the best drag show in this city. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Effortlessly. And that's not just because I'm on it, right? The fact that it is the best drag show in the city is what makes me fucking nervous every Tuesday night, right? Because I'm on the show with these bitches that I know are pulling out their best drag. Amber works there, well, I was working every week, Amber was working every other week, and then I'd be like, shit, Amber's on the show this week, I gotta put on a little bit more makeup, bigger hair, shit, Amber, I need a week off. You know what I'm saying? So like, but knowing that that's going to happen, that friendly rivalry, that unspoken rivalry amongst the entertainers, oh bitch, you just turned the crowd, I'm going to turn them up louder, I'm going to turn them up louder. So we're battling in the back, and y'all are having the time of y'all lives out there in the front, right? And that's what it's all about. Vanguard means so much to so many people here, and it showed when it was gone for two weeks. Because when it showed back up, it was a packed goddamn house, and it's been that ever since. We have avid followers that are there every week. We have avid fans that are there every week, and I assure you that without them in the audience, you would not get the show that you get. So thank you all so much, and thank you. Yes. My turn. Um, Vanguard to me is the place to be. If the show could happen every day, I would perform every single day at that show. I would need an oxygen tank. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The show excites me. Tuesdays, the days are, the Tuesdays that I'm on the show are the days that I'm really like, okay, I'm about to put all my makeup on, I'm about to pull out all my good highlight powders, my good perfumes, the expensive stuff. 
that's the days that I'm excited about drag. I perform other times, I even have my own show and I'm not even excited about my own show. I'm excited about Vanguard. The reason being is because Her Majesty, we've known each other for a minute now. Her Majesty is an amazing person. Every single time Her Majesty has a show, the show is going to be a show. Everyone on the show is going to be lovely. It's always even entertainment across the board. Everyone is going to put on a show. I've also been able to work with Shania, Amy, people that are family to me now. So anytime we're there, we're able to kiki, cut up in the back, we're able to get drunk, nobody's gonna go spill your tea. You're able to talk about uh, beforehand. I was able to talk about, you know, who we slept with yesterday, or who we about to sleep with tonight. Do you know him? <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> So it was very much, it's always been just a place to feel free. It's made me feel like I'm appreciated, made me feel like I have a place, made me be so happy just to get out the house, shit. It's just the place to be. Everyone there is supportive. It's not like you go on stage and if somebody isn't feeling you, they're feeling you. It's nobody there does not enjoy what you do. You're able to showcase whatever type of art. If I went there and sat down and fell asleep, they would tip me, they would go up. They really enjoy everything we do and it is the place to be in the city. So thank you, Her Majesty. So for me, of course, being the fresh one, um, I didn't even know what Vanguard meant. And so Her Majesty just had posted up on Facebook that they were gonna have a big black drag show here and who wanted to be a part of it. And I was just I was just doing my drag mom show, so just once a month, you know, it's my little skimp ass, little gigs, I think I'm getting it. And so when Her Majesty came out with the lineup, I saw all of these, you know, artists, like 23 of us. So me, Instagram stalking like all of them. And my armpits are sweating profusely because I'm like, holy fucking shit, like these people aren't fucking around. And I'm bringing my ass from Dallas. Okay, I'm just gonna pole dance. Everybody loves pole dancing. So that was a safe way to go. But I never met Her Majesty in person before, but when they went on show and did their opening number, I'm on the side stretching and shit next to Michaela. And <laughs> we hadn't started talking yet. We're just kind of looking back and forth at each other. But I was just like, who the fuck is that on stage? And Michaela's like, that's Her Majesty. I'm just like, <laughs> like, I, I've never seen or felt a presence like that. Like when Her Majesty walks in the room, like you're spellbound. Like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. I don't know what this feeling is. So after that, like they invited me to Vanguard and I was like, okay, I'm not gonna pole dance. I'm gonna give them some titties and skipping. Everybody loves titties and skipping, so doing my little chair number. And for me, Vanguard became the best place when I'm like walking down the stairs and then this customer in front just threw like a whole bunch of money and it was like, Shh. and I was like, oh my God, that felt so fucking good. So then after that, like the titties were out and spinning and you know, blah, blah. and then Her Majesty was like, I want you here all the time. So I came when I could because coming from Dallas, you know, it's a commute. So um, we decided in December that I would come once a month because it was very enriching to me. I would do a show at Vanguard and then like the next, I was like up five levels. Like I wanted to take it further and further, like I said, big, extra fucking big. And Vanguard just made me grow at a faster pace because everybody is so fucking good. I mean, you got just so much variety. And so I wanted to make sure anytime that I came to Vanguard because the show was so fucking good, like it's still the best show that I've seen and been a part of 
that I bring it every fucking time so you guys can come to actually see like real, not, you know, not just black art, but just real fucking art, like to take you somewhere. Like you want the performer to take you wherever environment that they're in. And so I started coming once a month and I started growing. I mean, I've, I've done, I've been pretty diverse with, you know, my sets and stuff because I always like to tap in to something different. But my, I guess, Vanguard came alive, like I said, when that customer threw that fucking money on me. I was like, bitch, it's over. Like, I ain't fucking eat that all the time. So I really thank Her Majesty, though, for inviting me out to the Big Black Drag Show. And we actually talk quite often, like, you know, a couple of times a week. So we've grown to be really good friends, and they've helped me in the industry, out of the industry. And honestly, with, without them, I would not be where I am right now if it wasn't for them. All right, I'm thinking sports. All right, sports. And they'll cry. Y'all see how, are y'all with me? Do y'all see how important this shit is? That's why they're coming for it, which is, we're running out of time, kinda. Y'all gonna let me go over? No, they said, hell no, bitch. <laughs> Wrap it the fuck up. Um, I do wanna touch on this. Um, so, as I said, they're coming for drag um, with this intensifying political rhetoric. Uh, there are rising hate crimes against trans people, black trans people specifically, black trans women specifically, um, and these fucking laughable anti-drag bills. What the fuck? The fuck? So, I just wanna, I wanna ask this question to the panel. What do you think Republican legislators in Texas are afraid of in regard to trans existence in public and public drag. What the fuck are they afraid of? I think colonizers, and I'll say it with an A, not, in, not the hard ER, right? <laughs> colonizers, I think, are just afraid of anything that they don't have control over. I just think that that's it. I mean, and that showed with Roe versus Wade being, you know, overturned. I think anything that they cannot put their hands in and have control over, and it's exactly opposite of what, of the lives that they live in public. 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 T, T, T. It's going to scare them, because if that life becomes too publicly accepted, then their dumbasses wasted their lives, then didn't they? living behind doors. It's funny how we come out of the closet, but they live in it all of their lives, right? So I think, so I think that what they're afraid of is just the fact that we have something for ourselves without them, and it's just, it's just control. It's just the white man seeking control, right? He just wants control of everything. Everything, everything is his. He, you know, white men think that God died and left them in charge. I don't know where they got their basic instructions before leaving Earth from, but that is not what's told in the book that we read, right? So I just think that that's what it is, basically. I just think they're afraid of what they don't know, who they know they are behind closed doors, who they're probably afraid that their children will grow up to be, yep. and they're not worried about, um, they're not worried about their children being safe. They're not worried about saving kids. Okay, for the record, anyone that has not heard it yet, they are not worried about protecting fucking kids. They are not worried about protecting kids. I'm 45 years old. I, I've dated trans men a large portion of my life. I do not have any children. Do you think that's coincidental? Or do you think I made sure that I did not have any children? So how in the fuck am I responsible for dancing naked in front of your 
child if you brought your child to my show. I don't understand that. That's like how we get tickets driving someone else's car when the person doesn't have insurance. Why the fuck do I get a ticket for this bitch not having insurance? I don't even own a car. I don't even own a kid. So how am I in trouble for dancing in front of your kids? You brought your kids here. The girls at Hooters don't get in trouble for prancing around your kids when they're serving them wings and tails. You know, so how do I get in trouble? I don't understand. So um, I'm not going to waste my time on trying to not understand things. I'm going because sometimes you can live your whole life and never get understanding from something that you thought you needed understanding from. I'm going to understand that my life right now is fruitful and happy. The days outside are not going to, my days inside are not going to be contingent upon the days outside. And that is how I move around. I choose happiness. They are entitled to be as miserable as they like. I love that they're wasting their time on me because I can assure you I don't waste a second of my time on them. I agree with Shania. I don't feel like they're trying to do anything to, about the whole kid situation. It's people who are trans that have children. It's people that do drag that have kids. I got a baby. Kids isn't the thing. They're trying to hide, keep their fantasies quiet. These people that are in these higher office seek trans women. I know plenty of trans girls who have had men in the office. They are trying to keep trans women quiet from telling their secrets. That's what the issue is. It's nothing other than them trying to keep trans women, trans individuals, their fantasies, let's say their fantasies, they're trying to keep their fantasies quiet. Well, what the, in my opinion, what the Republicans are afraid of is what's been happening since the beginning of colonization, when things start spilling over onto their side, then it becomes concerning. Like, it was kind of like with hip hop music, when their children started listening to it, they try to ban it, you know, from the radio. So it's like, they're gonna pick different things to come after if it starts affecting their small community, because they're the ones making these laws, they're the ones in charge, you know, even though we're voting and doing all this stuff, somehow this small white percentage is still in charge, and so, protecting their children, not our children, but protecting their children. They don't want them to be exposed to these type of things because they don't want their children being trans or gay. And so what way to stop it? Let's just regulate all the, the, mo the most popular side so we can protect our small side. So that's just the fear of just that white, just white, white, whiteness just fading away because we're all becoming one big, you know, mixing pot but they just wanna make sure that one small spot stays white. And so, because they have that much power to make sure that happens, I mean, they're just starting with trans, you know, and lives now. Just think of what's fucking next, you know? They might. Well, remember that Hitler used gay people and trans people yeah. as part of his ploy too. You know, yeah. so let's, yeah. let's not forget that. He demonized transsexual lives and gay lives, that was part of the ploy, right? Nothing spreads faster than fear. So yeah. we've got to make sure that we remember that. Believe what you know, not what you're told. And there was something else you said uh, that I wanted to say something about. I can't remember, I'm old, y'all. Yeah. So I wanna ask, um, I wanted to ask all of you, but we're running out of time, so I'll ask Amber. As a black trans woman living in Texas, what scares you? Everything. I'm gonna say everything because I just recently dedicated myself to transitioning. I took forever 
I'm still taking forever <laughs> to dedicate myself to living the life that I want to live because I'm afraid to walk out my house. I'm afraid of what can happen to me. I mean, I'm just terrified. I mean, especially being as pretty as I am, like, why wouldn't you right. be scared? Yeah. First and foremost, I'm just, it's just, you never know what's going to happen. I guess that's why I'm really scared, because even being when I was, you know, a black gay male, it was already hard. Trans transitioning to a female, black trans female is even harder. I, we go through struggles every day. You're not accepted every day. You, ha you legit have to watch your back every single time you go out of the house. You can't even walk into a store without being afraid of somebody just snapping. Yeah. I'm, just afraid to be me. I'm afraid to do anything at this point, honestly. Whew. Thank you, Amber. You're welcome. Thank you. Y'all gonna thank Amber for that? Amber just... Okay, so y'all wanna see a little bit of what we do every week at Vanguard. We have prepared a little group performance for you. Yes? Yeah, absolutely. Thank y'all so much for coming out. We wanna make sure before you leave um, that you know that this, this space that we're creating here is, is, is just a reflection of what's needed here in Austin. It hurts when, when, we, when we hear people say that they don't feel like they can stay here. It hurts when uh, you hear people saying that they feel hated, you feel uh, that, they, that they can't leave their house, okay? This is, this, uh, this is the Austin that we live in. A lot of y'all are coming from outside of here. You don't, you don't get to engage with the Austin that we live in. But there's also a lot of beauty happening. There's also a lot of great, great space being created. And it has to be not just celebrated, but it has to be supported. Yes. Right? So when people come to their event, they don't just watch and clap. They actually put financial resources behind that. And so equity is not just about talking about it. See, a lot of panels, you're going to go to them, and it's just going to be people talking, they're going to go home, and they're going to live in their little bubble. Yes. Right? But we can't afford to live in that bubble in Austin. Because the reason this is called Vision 8291 is because in 1928, the city forcibly moved the black community over to one side of the city. This is one of the fastest city, growing cities in the country. It's also one of the most segregated cities in the country. Since 1991, when the city declared itself the live music capital of the world, the black population here has gone down from 12% to under 7%. It's a direct correlation for you being here with these badges and having a good time, for people being displaced. So you have to understand that. You have to understand the context which you're stepping into, okay? And don't just understand it intellectually. You have to support it. You have a responsibility. You are here in this city. You're back. Because what we're doing... people can thrive so they can be who they want to be because that's all we all want anyway. Yes. Right? But we're within the context of Texas, within the context of Austin, which is straight up just displacing people, but we're fighting back. We're creating space. South by Southwest is going to be a space for us moving forward. You understand? Hundreds of millions of dollars come here every year and it's going to go to, a piece of that is coming to us. Yes. don't support. So please, on your way out, just scan one of these QR codes. $5. You might think $5 ain't nothing. It makes a difference. Okay? And it makes a difference when people feeling like they're seen. That they're valued. Because this work that we do is important. People come to this space and they have breakthroughs. 
They heal in these spaces, right? But it's undervalued. So it's up to us to put the value in where it's supposed to be put. Not in Tesla and all these folks, in people. Yes. And people that are actually helping people and supporting people and allowing them to be their best selves, okay? Yes. Go to vision8291.org to find out more. Go to dawahills.org to find out more. Go to our Instagram page, at dawahills, D-A-W-A-H-E-A-L-S. Follow us, support where you can, how you can. Please, if you, if, if you know you have money, don't short it right now, okay? If you don't, it's cool. But if you got money, this is what we're creating right here. And these spaces are important. And if we don't create them, then people get displaced. And it's easy to, 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 to hurt people, to murder people, because they become less human. Mm. Their lives don't matter. And we know that they do. So please spread the word. Tell people, hashtag Vision8291 if you took some video, if you took some photos, because our visibility means their visibility, and, and vice versa. Thank you, Shaka, and Dawa. I'm so glad Dawa found us, baby, because, yes, I, baby. In case y'all don't know, Dawa stands for Diversity, Awareness, and Wellness in Action. I'm so glad you found us. I'm so glad you, oh, fuck. Thank you. Thank you, Dawa. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, y'all want to see a little performance? Did y'all send some money? <laughs> right. We'll do this little performance, y'all. Okay. Please welcome up just some of the cast. Make some noise for some of the cast of Vanguard, the Drag Revolution. You can find us live every Tuesday night starting at 9 p.m. The doors open at 9. I start the show when the show's ready to be started. But come on at 9 o'clock, okay? Uh, beat me there, don't meet me there. All right, y'all? Um, this is Vanguard, the Drag Revolution. Oh, did I say the venue? Swan Dive, you can find us at Swan Dive, y'all. It's down in the Red River area. Google it. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Dawa. Thank you, South by Southwest. All the panelists, all of our team here from Vanguard. Like I said, we are Vanguard, the drag revolution. We have a showcase every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. at Swan Dive downtown. Um, you can also follow us on Instagram at Vanguard underscore ATX. I don't have a personal Vanguard. I've been, I mean, I don't have a personal Instagram or Facebook. I've been banned. But, <laughs> you yeah, know, you yeah, know. Um, yeah, follow Vanguard underscore ATX. Thank you so much for coming out to this panel, y'all. It means the world to us. Thank you. <laughs>